Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Anytime you're in the Huntsville area, we hope you'll stop in and be part of our worship. Sunday morning worship is at 9 o'clock, with Bible class immediately following. Sunday evening worship is at 5. Midweek Bible study is held Wednesdays at 7. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and get started because I'm not sure we're going to get done. And I need to start with a caveat. James, I know you've been in a radio station before, and there were a few occasions when I was a kid where I had to fill in for the news guy. And at least at the stations over in Athens, they had an AP terminal, the Associated Press. And I hate to admit it because I just had a birthday. I'm old enough that it was not connected to the Internet. It actually dialed into a bulletin board. It was all text-based. You'd go find the news stories. You'd print them out on the little nine-pin dot matrix printer that was right there next to it. And our definition of journalism was you'd rip it off the printer, and you'd walk over, and you'd read it word for word. All right? Rip and read. I'm presenting somebody else's lesson today, and I feel like I'm doing that again. Because I have ripped it off my printer, and now I'm going to pretend I'm doing journalism when what I'm really doing is ripping and reading. So, one thing that jumped out at me when I was reviewing all this is, one, James, you need to talk to Bill because he needs to be writing books for you. And two, there's a lot of the word I in here, and just pretend I'm Brother Eads when you see that. Because I don't want anybody uh, thinking I'm presenting something here that uh, he has clearly taken the time and put this together, and all I'm doing is presenting his material in his absence. Um, and it's a little odd because I'm wrapping up a lesson that he has put so much together um, with all these lessons that we've been going through. And this is the last piece of the puzzle we've been examining from God's big picture of the Bible. We've observed the very consistent way that God has worked his plan of redemption from the beginning. And by consistent, I mean the repetitive use of such tools as covenants, kingdoms, priesthoods, and a number of different patterns. We as mankind are often caught up in the pattern or cycle of sin that as we have observed over and over throughout Bible history, God's rescue plans have consistently employed such means as water and blood. And as we've noted, God is faithful to use his plan and his promises. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. 2 Timothy 2 and 12. And somehow, between here and there, I've already lost. Did I leave it up there? Sure enough. All right, I didn't rip and read news very well either. All right, so the focus and emphasis of this study has been on God's grand plan and purpose for mankind that he developed before time began. Now from a historical point of view, we're at the ending of the New Testament from a dispensation point of view. 
At the beginning, God's dwelling place for his first creation or, uh, was in the garden. Another of God's pattern is described for the ending. A dwelling place, perhaps described symbolically, for his new creation. For those cleansed by the blood of the Lamb is again in a garden, a paradise we find described in the book of Revelation. Now I'd like to summarize some of the key principles of God's big picture that we've considered over the last, what, I guess 12 lessons or so. First, let's look at Romans 9, 9 through 11. I should have warned you, you're going to need... Uh, you're going to need your Bible because we've got a lot of passages we're going to be looking at. For this is the word of promise. At this time I will come and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac. For the children not yet being born nor having done any good or evil that the purpose of God according to election or choice might stand, not of works, but of him who calls. God chose who he used to bring his plan into place in this world. Noah, Abraham, the Israelites, Moses, David, Jesus, you and I. Ephesians 8.12 When we look there, we find that he purposed as part of his plan from the beginning to reveal the fullness of his plan through the church. This is another way of restating the Great Commission. Let's look at 8 through 12, beginning in 8. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, his grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see What is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Jesus Christ our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. He not only purposed to reveal his plan and purpose, but he accomplished it by and in Christ. But let's not forget Job 42. 1 and 2. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything, and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. God's purpose and plan will be. It will happen. They cannot be withheld. They cannot be held back. They cannot be thwarted. Even if you and I fail to do our part, God's plan will happen. A fundamental truth that I hope we realize as a congregation of the Church of Jesus Christ 
There is no greater purpose for the church, for each one of us, than to make known the manifold wisdom of God, that we are to realize this purpose in every Bible class, in every sermon, every program that we undertake must, and Bill repeats, must, have its purpose and goal to make the gospel known. We come to the assembly, to the Bible classes, with just one goal. We in the church are part of God's eternal purpose. And it's up to us to make both, to make his purpose and his plan known to all people. Why? Well, there is no plan B. We must take our place in God's big picture. And really, that's something that we should rejoice in. We should rejoice in God that we individually have a place in his plan. Scripture tells us where we each can fit in his plan. And so as we go through this lesson, we're going to determine a number of things and hopefully pray that we can and will find our place in the picture. So as we start, let's begin by looking at uh, some observations. The first one, Colossians 3, verse 2. We are commanded to set our minds on things above. We are in the preparatory stage of being remade in the image of Christ. God's plan all along has been to work on our hearts and minds. Jeremiah had prophesied regarding the new covenant in Jeremiah 31-33, this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. God's purpose is to create a people like the image of his son, and it is a mental and a spiritual process. Scripture suggests these three things. First, we, are, we begin by becoming a new creature or a new creation in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The word new refers to things new in quality. Our hearts must become new. Next, Ephesians 4, 22-24. That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to, um, some translations, the ASV says instead of according to, after, uh, some translations may say in the likeness of, which was created according to, in the likeness of, God. In true righteousness and holiness. Three steps are outlined here to be in the likeness of God, or according to God, or after God. First we see to put off or lay aside the old conduct. Next, to be renewed or renovated. It's a continuous action. It's not something that only happens once. 
in the spirit of your mind, we're talking about a new mindset. And third, to put on, like a garment, a new conduct, which will flow from this new mindset. Third, Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Jesus Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is the purpose given in Ephesians for the church here on earth. The word are means to have been or to exist, for we are his workmanship. So this verse is saying that God created good works for us to do, and the purpose of the church is to do these good works. This includes benevolence and evangelism. Those are the ones we often think of. God has intended that good people reproduce themselves by teaching others who will in turn be good people to teach others. These are all actions that set our minds on towards becoming the image of God. So our second observation. God's plan calls for us to become his image. Not just as Adam was his image, but most specifically in the spiritual image of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Let's read that again, because that's an important one. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Satan seeks to blind us all so that we cannot see the image of Christ that we need to become. Jesus is the image of God. He is God, having the very nature of God. God's plan resulted in sending him to this world in order to reveal what God is like. Colossians 1.15. He offers additional proof here that the Son is like the Father. In 15 we read, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. And there's a, a good way to kind of see this. In Barclay's commentary, it states, Look at Jesus. He shows you not only what God is, he also shows you what man was meant to be. Here is manhood as God designed it. Jesus is the perfect manifestation of God and the perfect manifestation of man.
2 Corinthians 3.18 tells us that we are to be like a mirror, reflecting the glory of Christ. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Being transformed into the same image means we are transformed to reflect God's glory more and more as we mature as Christians. That transformation comes by the Holy Spirit as we embed our lives in the Word. As an aside, Keith, I couldn't help thinking how appropriate the lessons following this are going to be given that simple fact that we're transformed into that same image and that uh, Bill, probably without knowledge of what the next class was going to be, which is having a biblical worldview, is pointing out that that happens by embedding our lives in the Word. When we behold the message of Christ as it was unveiled or or revealed by the apostles, we're transformed to look more and more like Christ. The word transformed here is interesting. It's metamorphosis. A word you've probably heard. And it's the same word as transformed by the renewing of your minds that we find over in Romans 12 and verse 2. All right, so let's look at our third observation. As soon as a new Christian comes from the water of baptism, they have begun the sanctification process. One is no longer spiritually dead, but spiritually alive in Christ. Then the process begins to become the image of God, most specifically of Jesus Christ. What I have listed here is not an exhaustive list because, let's be honest, that would basically um, mean spelling out the entire New Testament. But I consider these to be fundamental principles in growing to ultimately become the glorified image of Christ in heaven. Ephesians 2.1 tells us that we begin, and you made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. Then we... And the Holy Spirit as our comforter begin the process of preparing to become God's image. So first, we must be transformed mentally. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be comforted to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. Just as Jeremiah prophesied, as we mentioned back in 31, verse 33, this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds, and I will write on their hearts. God's purpose from long ago has been to transform each mind and heart 
to be a person in the image of his son. Throughout life, we continue the process of recreation began at conversion. Romans 8, 28 through 30. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, not a word we use a lot, but knew before, he also predestined, determined beforehand, to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. He predestined, he determined beforehand that he would call his people by the gospel and those who obey the call will be justified and glorified. Glorified in the image of his son. Life in Christ is the result of being created as a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Christ built his church so that we will do according to Ephesians 3, 9 through 11. Beginning in the middle of verse 10. God who created all things through Christ Jesus to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's intent in the big picture plan is that his many-faceted, many-colored wisdom would be made known by the church in accordance with his purpose. First conceived in eternity past. That transformation comes that transformation comes from the Holy Spirit when we behold the message of Christ as it was unveiled or revealed by the apostles we are transformed to look more and more like Christ In this process we are becoming the image the character of Jesus Christ who said he came to seek and save the lost. When we pursue the same purpose, we are becoming the character and reflection of Jesus to the world. Philippians 3, verses 20 and 21. Having been transformed in life, in the, in the resurrection, we will be completely changed from our lowly body into the spiritual body, like that of Christ's spiritual body that he now has in heaven. So Philippians 3 verse 20, for our citizenship is, our citizenship is, continues to be in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait, continue to wait for the Savior the Lord Jesus Christ, 
21, who will transform, will transform, future tense, our lowly body that it may be conformed. To be conformed means to have the same form to his glorious body. According to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. So we are looking to return to our proper country where our citizenship lies, the new homeland to which God has adopted us. The words transformed and conformed emphasize the completeness of the change. Usually don't say transformed about something you just change a little bit. Usually don't say something conforms if it's just a little bit like it. First Corinthians fifteen, forty-two through forty-nine. So first we looked at this passage way back in lesson two. Our current body bears the physical image of the first Adam. Our resurrected body will bear or be fashioned in the image of the spiritual body of the resurrected Jesus, the second Adam. So let's start in verse forty-two. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It's perishable. It is raised in incorruption. It's imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. Now in 46, however, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward, the spiritual. The first man of the earth made of dust, the second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image, as we have borne the image now of the man of dust, so shall we bear the image in the future of the heavenly man. Will bear means will wear. Like a, like a figurative garment. We will become the image of God. Now we've come to the, the last book in the New Testament. And we just spent a bunch of time talking about the last book in the New Testament on Wednesday nights. John's Revelation, Revelation 2.7, addresses those who will gain access to the tree of life. Chapter 2, verse 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, to him who overcomes, continues to, I will give in the future to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. The word overcomes, whose root word is actually victory, is found 17 times in Revelation. 
They were initially written to encourage the first century Christians to overcome in the face of great persecution. I have no doubt that we are to be encouraged as well. The word overcomes has some interesting usages in Revelation. But here are some of those in the resurrection. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. He who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. Various verses from 2, 3, and 21. These reflect concepts given elsewhere in the New Testament and should be understood to apply to the plans God has for Christians, especially those overcoming persecution and remaining faithful. So now we're going to look at the very end of the book of Revelation. We've now traveled a road which has brought us to a was described in Revelation 21:14, a high mountain, where we are given a bird's eye view of the glory land. In the preceding chapters of 22, we read that the Lamb of God and his people are everywhere triumphant. What more remains In 21 verse 10, we read that he carries me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and shows me the great city, the holy Jerusalem. And from there we get to Revelation 22. Let's look at the first five verses. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of its streets and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp, nor light of the sun. For the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. How much is figurative and how much is literal? I don't know. But I don't think there can be any doubt that it's symbolically like Eden. I don't doubt that this vision is revealing the return to Eden, of which the Garden of Eden was a type. It's depicting a literal or figurative tree of life. I think this, a grander and more glorious Garden of Eden, because of the list of things given in Revelation 21 and 22. 
the things that are there, the throne of God and the Lamb, the relationship with God lost in Eden will be fully restored, possibly and then some, and all things will be new. I think it's also interesting the things that will not be there. No tears, no pain, no curse, no evil, no lamp, no night. So I want to leave you with one final thought. As we noted in Lesson 11, Genesis 2.15 makes clear that God intended man to work from the outset. Hard work was not a punishment. Rather, it's a manifestation of the nature of being created in God's image. God worked to create all things. And he is constantly at work sustaining and keeping the universe. He has also been working to prepare heaven for us to be there. He also prepared all good works for us to do. And he provides the strength and opportunity to do those good works. We are stewards of all God has given us. And he is expecting us to bring others with us to the garden he has prepared. Let's note these words in Revelation 22, verse 3. In the garden of heaven, in the garden of heaven, we will also be given work to serve him. We won't be digging in the ground, but God will have work or service that will honor him. It will give us purpose and joy, and it is a part of being in heaven. His servants shall serve him. So we have completed our journey through the Bible. Hopefully now you have a better view of God's big picture. More importantly, I pray that every day we can make progress towards becoming the image of Jesus Christ. And that we can all find our place in God's very big and glorious picture. So which will it be? Am I in God's picture? Or did I lose the way? Am I part of his way? Or am I going my own way? We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word. If you would like to continue your study of New Testament Christianity, please send your name and address to World Bible School, West Huntsville Church of Christ, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Or if you prefer, send your name and address by email to wbs at westhuntsville.org.